0: good morning everybody we're going to be in mark or not mark we're going to be in first uh, timothy chapter 2 first timothy chapter 2 if you need a bible raise your hand the ushers will get you one keep your hand up in the air if you need a bible first timothy chapter 2 and those songs were perfect the battle belongs to the lord praying and that's the uh the title of the message today is prayer and we're going to be looking into prayer and the importance of us praying and so first timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 8 is what we'll be attacking today and i hope you'll be blessed and i hope you will realize that the the greatest thing that we have as believers is access to the throne of god that we can go boldly before the throne of grace and god hears he never puts us on hold he always answers the call he never lets it go to voicemail we have access to the king of kings and that should blow your mind i don't think i don't think we can really get our head around it i don't think we really grasp how awesome it is to have a relationship with the lord jesus christ who created all things and says listen you got a hotline straight to me whenever you need me and so today i want to focus on prayer so let's read chapter 2 verses 1 through 8 Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle, and I am speaking the truth in Christ, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath, and doubting father thank you uh, for this portion of scripture lord and lord i pray that you would uh, take the time to minister to everyone here that there's nothing more important than speaking with you as a child of god lord we draw our power from you and you give us strength and so lord we pray that you would put on every person's heart today the importance of upping their prayer life and communing with you we ask that you bless this time and speak to us in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen well Paul says therefore therefore that means there's a reason that he's saying therefore because you got to ask yourself why is it there and he's been talking to Timothy And Timothy was the overseer of the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was the role model church. It, I mean it was the full example it was booming it was it was just the example that everybody would look at and it wasn't just one church there was multiple there was like home fellowships everywhere and Timothy was sort of the over, overseer of all of that and, and there was stuff already happening the enemy was already coming in whenever you got a work of God there's a work of the enemy and the enemy doesn't sit outside and wait for you he comes in and he sits right next to you now don't look at your spouse. But you need to understand that the enemy is wherever the Word of God is going out. You might think that the enemy is at the drug houses, at the house of prostitution, it's in politics. No, he's already got those things. He's on the front lines. He comes into the church. He comes anywhere where the gospel is being given. He's on the mission field. He's trying to stop the gospel from going out because he doesn't want anybody saved. And so the warfare is right here. The warfare is when you step out to do something for Jesus. As soon as you want to do something for the Lord, you're going to come under attack. We've got to keep the armor of God. You say, listen, I'm going to start going to church all the time. Guaranteed something's going to get in the way. But you just just buckle up and, and get in your car and get here and do that thing that you promised God and watch God work in your life and bless you. And so we see that there were some problems. We see that it seems like Timothy was about ready to dig out and Paul urged him to stay. And the reason was there were some things that were going on. There were some phony doctrines, some false doctrine. There was, they were listening to fables and genealogies and, and they were getting involved in legalisms and stuff like that. And Paul was commanding Timothy to stop that nonsense. Get away from legalism. Make sure you're teaching sound doctrine. And so when he gets to uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, he, he deals with all of these things, and he, and he says, but first of all, here's what you need to do you got to pray. In light of everything that I said, in light of warring against false doctrine, and watching out for legalisms, and church discipline, and dealing with things like that, you, you need to be praying. We need to pray before we do anything in life. We need to pray before we get out of bed. And so today's message is all about prayer. We need to realize that prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do. You want to see a victory in your life? Spend more time with Jesus. You want to see a victory in your children? Spend more time with Jesus. Pray to God as a parent that God will show you what he's going to do with your kids so you can go lay hands on your children and pour out a blessing upon them and build them up because they're facing a nutty world and we're handing the torch to them and they need to be ready they need to be strong they need to be willing and they need to be protected and that comes through prayer If there's something in your life you're battling, prayer is the answer. The more we spend with Jesus, the stronger we're going to become. The more we're in this Word and the more we're on our knees, the better off we're going to be. Because God's going to give us the strength. And I think that's why prayer is probably the thing the church does the least. They say if you want to know if a church is popular, come on Sunday. They say, if you want to know if a pastor's popular, come on Wednesdays. And they say, if you want to know if Jesus is popular, come to a prayer meeting. It's somehow the enemy gets us too busy. I love what my friend Pastor Waxer over there in Honolulu says. T-O-O-B-U-S-Y. Too busy. Too overly occupied being under Satan's yoke. The enemy will get the best of Christians so busy they don't have time to pray. And, when, you know, I always remember this preacher. I don't remember his name, but I remember this. He said, he said that he prayed for an hour every single day before he started his day. One hour. And then he said, but some days he was so busy he couldn't pray for an hour, so he said, I'd pray two hours. That's wisdom. The enemy will do anything to stop you from praying. It's funny, you know, last week we had a, a, a guest speaker, and... Um, and, and I was thinking to myself, you know, you, you know, uh, one morning I woke up and I was like, you know, gosh, you know, I, I'm not speaking this week. And usually I, I, you know, I pray before I get out of bed, then I get into the word of God and, and then I start praying and reading the word. And I, I woke up and I thought, you know what, maybe I'm going to check the news first. And I turned on the news and I was on for like five minutes and I go, this is not the way I want to start my day. And I, I just turned it off and I went back to what I was doing. I went back to my normal routine of getting up and praying and getting into the Word of God, even though I wasn't speaking last weekend. And, you know, it's always funny, too, is that my son, Austin, will call me regularly on a regular basis during the week, and he, he said to me the week before, he says, hey, what are you doing? I go, I'm studying. He goes, what are you studying for? You got the week off. I said, because I guess God gave me two weeks because he knew that I needed two weeks to get this message in order. And so, you know, we always want to be in the Word. That's where we're going to get our strength. That's where we're going to get our power. And and it's through prayer and being in the Word. If you want God to move in your life, I want to see God move in a mighty way in this church. I want to see us come together in prayer and Him shake the building. I want to see Him do just a, a work of revival and just a spiritual strengthening in the body of Christ that He would use you guys. You are called here for such a time as this. God has put you strategically on the North Shore for such a time as this because He wants you to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to go out there and spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the water, on the hiking trails, at food land, in the parks, at the schools, at the workplace. You've You've got so much opportunity. And maybe we're missing it because we're not praying enough. I want to see God move in a mighty and a powerful way. When you look at the Gospels and you read the Gospels and you see Jesus' ministry, you will always find Him getting up early to be with the Father. When you look at the Gospels and you see Him do ministry from morning to the late hours of night, when you do lots of work for the Jesus, like, you know, when we, when we do, um, we do our, our, our big outreach here in, in October... To be able to have something for the whole public to bring light to a dark time at Halloween and we give food and everything's free and we have games and stuff and and we're we're giving the gospel and people are getting saved and transformed. You know when we do that it's like we're there all day long to the late hours of night and, and then you feel like at the end of the night you're like man I got to sleep in tomorrow because that was a lot. Well, Jesus was working twice as hard as that doing ministry. He wasn't eating on a regular basis. He wasn't drinking enough water. He was doing ministry from the early t- morning all the way to late evening, and then all the disciples would be passed out asleep. He would get er- up early in the dark and go hang with the Father because to Jesus, what was refreshing was not sleeping, but spending time with the Father. And we need to get up early. Before we do anything else and spend time with the Father. That's where you're going to get your strength for what you need. For, for that day. We see that um, in the book of Acts that they would gather together and they would Pray and god would fill we read all these different places where they were gathered together praying and they were filled with the holy spirit and god moved when they gathered together and they prayed for boldness as they were praying the building shook and god poured out his spirit upon them and they were filled with boldness and they preached the word of god you look at the life of daniel and daniel would pray morning and evening like clock clockwork he would always be praying and he was always on his knees and he was always seeking god for the answers and when he was in that crazy place of babylon we see king david was known for his praying and and he was always praying especially when into the battle when he would go into the battle even though he was facing the same type of a battle he would always ask god to lead him in the battle and that's what you and i need to do In everything, not just in the big things, but in the little things too. It's the little things that take us out because we think, oh, it's little, I can handle this. No, give it to the Lord. Don't try to handle anything in your life. Let Him do it. It's one of His promises to you that He's going to give you power and if you ask, you have not because you ask not. So if I ask Him for any little thing and I say, Lord, this seems like a little thing but I'm going to give it to You, what should we do here? That's the best thing that you can do in life. And then the big things, of course, are going to, to Him in the big things, but it's the little things that normally take us out. And so we need to pray and to pray without ceasing. And remember, don't get so busy that you don't have time for God. Because that'll weaken you. So, we're talking about the church that's in Ephesus. This was the stellar church. This was the, the role model church. This church had everything going on, it was rocking. Everybody was looking to that church as an example. But by the time it got to the book of Revelation and John was on the island of Patmos, Jesus would come and give John a letter for Ephesus saying you've left your first love here was a church that was being used by god more than any other church in the first century and they got so busy warring and working they got so busy too overly occupied they got so busy doing the work of god and working for the king they forgot to spend time with king with the king and they failed in prayer So if you want to know why things are going on in your life, if you want to know why stuff isn't working out, maybe you failed in prayer. Maybe you need to up your prayer life. Maybe you need to talk to God all day long. Maybe you need to set apart some time. Maybe you need to fast from your phone. And put that thing away. Turn it off and go grab your Bible and be with the Lord in prayer. We don't want to be in the place where God tells us, hey, you're doing great things, you're doing godly things, you're doing awesome things, but you've left your first love. You're not spending any time with me. You don't want to get in that place with the Lord. We want to pray for everything that we do. Amen? Do you pray for your food? Anybody? Can, can, can you put us in that prayer? Have you ever anybody ever forgot to pray for their food and just started eating? For you, there's a great verse in the Bible. It's Psalm 103. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. <laughs> God's got something for everything. He'll cover you. You know, here's the thing. If, if, you, if you really know your Bible, there's angels up there waiting to be dispatched. But they're waiting for you to activate with a prayer. There are angels up there. They're just... They're ready. And they're just waiting for somebody to pray so they could be dispatched and come down and bring answers to be in a place like this and to be guarding us when there's all sorts of spiritual warfare going on, even in the church, even as we're giving out the message, there'll be people that'll get distracted. Somebody will text them on their phone or something will happen or they'll get sidetracked and looked over here and they'll miss what God's got for them there's a warfare going on and when we gather together in his name angels are present but the enemy's also present and the angels are there to keep back the enemy so you can receive the word of god with all readiness and apply it to your life and be used by god and we have to pray you know the last words of mary in the bible was at that wedding when uh, she was in charge of the wedding and she ran out of wine and she asked Jesus to change the water, well, she didn't, she just said, We're out of wine, but Jesus changed the water to wine. You guys remember that? The last words recorded in the Bible that Mary said was, Whatever Jesus says, do it. I thought that was the best thing that she could finish with of anything. Whatever Jesus says, do it. And what does Jesus tell us to do? Pray. Pray without ceasing, pray constantly be anxious for nothing but pray prayer always that's where we're going to get strong and so here in in light of all that um, paul was telling timothy in this chapter watch out for phony doctrine watch out for fables genealogies legalisms uh, make sure when there's there's wolves in the house to to kick them out if they're a threat to the, the church and they're bringing in false doctrine get rid of them he, he said that he, he said and basically he was saying to Timothy I, I'm not asking you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself because we see there at the end of chapter one uh, he talks about uh, those that have rejected the faith having suffered shipwrecked of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blasphemy and so when there's people that are causing division in the church and they won't listen and they're bringing in false doctrine, God says deal with them. If they won't listen to you, you got to put them out. And he says, and this sounds crazy, but turn them over to Satan. Let them hit rock bottom. Hopefully they will look up then and if they repent, receive them back into the church. And so he says, so in light of all these things I've told you, Timothy, first and foremost, you need to pray. And so verse one, he says, therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, all men, all men. I looked up all it means all. That means praying for believers. That means praying for unbelievers. That's praying for all men to get the gospel out, to have divine appointments, praying for their, your fellow uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so he says supplications. So what is are Supplications supplications is praying for needs it's praying it's making requests it's asking god to do something like lord would you bless our time of gathering lord would you receive our worship right now lord will you bless this gathering together as we look into your word and then he says along with supplications prayer and prayer is more general it's 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 talking to the father it's it's including everything and then he says intercessions. so what's intercessions that's praying on the behalf of others that's something that we really need to focus on we need to be other centered not self-centered we need to be praying for others constantly praying for this church praying for the leadership praying for our families praying for our spouse our kids our grandkids Praying in our community for that people would get saved. Being an intercessor. Jesus is our great intercessor. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you? I tell you what, I I can't think of anybody I'd ever rather pray for me than, than Jesus. I mean, how about you? I mean, it's nice to have Him in my corner. But I would love to have you in my corner praying for me too. But man, Jesus, can you think of that? God who created us. And it give, has get blessed us with everlasting life because we put our trust in Him. He's praying for me. He's praying for you. He wants to use you in a mighty way. He wants to empower you to do His will. That, to me, just blows my mind. He intercedes for us. And then He says last, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. All, can you give thanks for all men? I, 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 didn't see, I didn't hear an amen on that one. So, Yeah, yeah, sure, right. You're in church, don't lie. There's some people that drive you nuts. In there. In there. A- a- amen. amen. There's some people that drive you crazy. And I'll tell you what, if they drive you so nuts and they drive you crazy, you want to stop it? Pray for them. Hello? Pray for them. And be honest with God. Don't go, oh, Lord, I just love them. They're just so sweet. Bless them, Lord God. I just want to pray for them. He's like, you don't love them. You hate them. I know. (laughs) And I don't care if you take them off the planet. But you know what, Lord? Your word tells me to pray, so I'm going to pray, and I hope you change my heart in the process. I hate them. Take them. Get them out of my way, but I'm praying for them. And you know what happens? A couple weeks later, you're like, you know what, Lord? They're not so bad. You know, I, I pray blessings. I pray growth. I pray they get close to you. And then a couple weeks after that, you're like, you know what, Lord? Man, I feel bad for them. I actually love them, I care for them. It just, your whole heart starts to change. Why? Praying. Talk about me all you please. I'll talk about you when I'm on my knees. Praying. It's the secret. And praying for all men, what? For an opportunity to share the gospel. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to see a North Shore change? Lead people to the Lord. Only transformation in the heart by Jesus Christ will will heal our island. We'll stop human trafficking. We'll stop drug addicts. We'll stop alcoholism. We'll stop violence. We'll stop all the thievery. Only a transformed life. We're so busy trying to stop all these evil things rather than praying for those people. If they give their life to the Lord, that stops it. We want to see revival sweep the North Shore. And then he says about praying, he goes on in verse 2, for, pray for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is the good and, accept, and, and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So we're to be praying for kings, for those in leadership. We're to be praying for our president. We're to be praying for governors and Congress and the Senate and mayors. We're to be praying praying for other countries. See, we don't realize that, that government was God's gift to humanity. Now, you remember in the beginning that Israel wanted a king like all the other countries, all the other nations, and God said, I want to be your king. And they said, no, we want a king like everybody else. And, and Samuel was so upset. And Samuel went to God and he says, hey, do, do, don't be upset, Samuel. They didn't do it to you. They did it to me. And he goes, if they want a king, fine. I'll give them a king. But you remember, you remind them what a king's going to do. And Samuel goes back, and I'm just going to paraphrase this, but Samuel says, um, you know, if you want this king so bad, here's what's going to happen. He's going to take from you and take from you and take from you and take from you until you become his slave and they're like we want a king and they got a king and that didn't work out too good did it but then God put in his man King David and so God set up a government placement of those in leadership to rule over nations but to do it in a godly way and so as we see that we're supposed to pray for kings we, we see uh, that Romans thirteen is actually it's a uh, it's a blessing that God gave to nations to put government in order in order to have a godly government let me read you Romans 13 it says let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for they there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will be will bring judgment on themselves for the rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil do you want to be unfraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister for your good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And so God says that he gives us government not to be a terror to good works, but a terror to evil. And so you say to yourself, well, what what if the kings and the rulers and the leaders aren't listening to God? What if they're not doing what they're supposed to? Wonder if they're corrupt and caught up in evil? Wonder if they're going against God's word? Do we obey? Let me put it to you this way. They're supposed to obey the word of God in their leadership. If if our government said to us, you can only have two children, if you get pregnant a third time, you have to abort it, we're not aborting. If the government says your church you can't meet, it's against the law, we'll throw you in prison, we're going to meet. You know, when they shut us down during COVID, and we finally got over it, we said, you know what, it's not what they're making it out to be. And uh, we opened back up, and the place was packed. And somebody snitched on us, somebody ratted us out. And next thing you know, I got a letter from the prosecuting attorney of Kauai who threatened me to send away 75% of our church and then make the 25% wear a mask and social distance or I was going to jail for a year with a $5,000 fine. I ignored him because I know he was breaking the law. He wasn't honoring our Constitution. I knew they couldn't do that to me, so I just ignored it. See, you got to understand something. America is not like Russia or China or Cuba or Iran where they have a dictator that leads over them. America is a republic we obey a constitution what does that mean that means the president the vice president the senate the house of representatives governors and mayors are our employees do you know that they work for us They don't rule over us. They work for us. And if you don't like them, you can fire them by voting. Okay? So when I opened up and I wouldn't close, I had a lot of people sending me Romans 13 and leaving the church. And we're leaving the church because you're not obeying Romans 13. I'm like, you better reread it. They work for us. But with all of that said, can I just say this? We need to be praying for our president. We need to be praying for our vice president. We need to be praying they get saved. We need to be praying for our Senate. We need to be praying for the House. I'll tell you what, listen guys, and I've been caught up in it too. A lot of people out there complaining about our government, complaining about our president. But are you praying for him? Because I know people that spend all day long on the Internet finding conspiracy theories and deep state and all this, you know, crazy stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Well, we know politicians are corrupt. Republicans are corrupt. Democrats are corrupt. Independents are corrupt. But are we praying for them? Are are we spending as much time complaining about politicians as we are praying for them? Do you see what I'm saying? If you want our country to change, what we need is a move of the Spirit in the White House. We need to see the White House become God's house. Because God got a hold of everybody in politics and they gave their life to Jesus and we would see revival come. But you know where it starts? By us being on our knees, praying for them. Matter of fact, let's just do that right now. Ready? Are you guys ready? You with me? Okay, Lord, we lift up um, our president. We lift up the vice president. We lift up the the Senate. We lift up the House of Representatives. We lift up every governor and mayor. And Lord, we pray that you get a hold of their hearts. We pray that that they hear the Gospel in such a way it breaks them and they surrender and give their life to You. Because, Lord, we know a transformed life will transform our country. And so, Lord, we just lay them at Your feet and say, have Your way, Lord. Bring the Gospel to them and let us see a change. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We need to pray and keep praying. Don't give up. And I I pray that you would make that part of your daily task in praying is pray for our leadership and and pray for our island, for our mayor. He needs your prayers. He's in a tough spot. Um, So he says, pray for kings and all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, how many men does God want to be saved? All. 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 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He he wants all to be saved. So that just kind of puts to rest Calvinism which says God picks who he's going to save and he picks who's going to go to hell. God doesn't pick. He gives you free will. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You send yourself by rejecting Him. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God will forgive you for any sin, but He won't forgive you for rejecting Him as King, as the only one, as Lord and Savior. He died for your sins on the cross. He paid the debt so you could have eternal life, and we owe everything to Him. And so we are to pray for all men. And then he goes on verse 5 and he says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So, wait a, whoa, wait a minute. There's one God and one mediator. And who is it? Jesus. Well, that puts to rest all these other phony gods. There's one mediator between God and man it's Jesus. It's not Allah, it's not Muhammad it's not Buddha it's not Krishna it's not Joseph Smith it's Jesus there's one God there's only one way one mediator between God and men the Godhead the Father the Son the Holy Spirit three in one they're one three persons but one God Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. God, who is in such an unapproachable light that we could not stand in His presence in these mortal bodies. That's why we're going to get transformed bodies, new bodies. Jesus, God clothed in flesh to come down and dwell among us. Something tangible we could hold on to. He had to come down as a man to pay the price for man's sins. And then He leaves and He sends the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, that dwells inside of us, who gives us the power and the strength and guides us through everything in life. Three in one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but there's only one mediator. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. That's it. You can't get in any other way. But that's good news. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. I love that because, you know, when I was thinking, um, when I was reading Job, Job, remember when Job lost everything? And he lost all of his property and he got struck with boils from head to toe and everything seemed like a loss and he never cursed God and all of that because he said, you know what, the Lord, you know, I came into this world naked. I'm going out naked. The Lord gives. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I got everything, praise you, God. And if I got nothing, praise you, God. And if I'm healthy, praise you, God. And if I'm sick, praise you because I won't be sick forever. That's the right attitude that we need to have. But you know what, sometimes we get... A little down, we get a little overloaded with the things of the world, and we, we have little pity parties, or is that just me? And we get a little down, and Job says, Man, I wish there was just somebody. I wish there was just a daysman, someone that, that could could reach up to the hand of the Father and reach down to man. Well, there is. There's one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus. He makes it all possible. He bridges the gap. He reaches into heaven to the Father and He reaches down and probably grabs me by my hair and He says, I'm bringing you together. He bridges the gap. And now I live for Him by the power of the Holy Spirit in me and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Apart from Him, I can't do a whole lot. I mean, I get something accomplished. Apart from Him, I can mess things up. But with him, I can do everything. I can do all things. And then in verse 6, he says, Who gave himself ransom, speaking of Jesus, for all, to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed preacher and an apostle, and am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And so we see that Jesus is not only the mediator between man and and God, but He was the one that paid the ransom for us. He paid a price, a debt He did not owe. He paid a debt that you could not pay. And He did it because He loved you, because sin entered in at the garden. And because Adam and Eve fell into sin... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been born into sin and God didn't want to leave you in your sin. He wanted you to be forgiven and He wanted you to be in heaven with Him for all eternity. So He paid the ransom. He paid the price. And it was the only price the Father would accept. And God who created all things laid down His life and took a punishment and was put to death by His own creation for your sake and mine. If that's not enough love, if that doesn't speak love to you to live for Jesus, I don't know what can. The cross is the greatest showing of love that God could ever show us. And he did that because he so loves you. And then it says, uh, Paul says he was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And he says, I'm speaking truth in Christ and I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So, Paul says, I was appointed by Jesus Christ a preacher. Now, what's a preacher? A preacher preaches the gospel. He gets the gospel out. He says, I was appointed an apostle. What's an apostle? A sent one. He was sent all over the place to start churches. And he says, and I was also a teacher. So what's a teacher? A teacher is a teacher of the Word. So what happens is a preacher comes and gives you the gospel. You get saved. And now that you're saved, you need a teacher to grow you in the grace and knowledge of the Word of God. And so preaching is for the lost. Teaching is for the saved. But you can have a little preaching and teaching even in your sermon because you never know who might be sitting here that needs Jesus. And so I like to always incorporate those things. The last verse for the day is verse 8. He says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, this verse is to men. It's not the word in the Greek for mankind. This is actually the word in the Greek for men. Next week we'll get into women. Uh, you can read ahead. But here he says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere. Guys, you got a responsibility. Husbands, you got a bigger responsibility because God says you're the head of the house. He doesn't say that in a in a Weird way, you're not to be a dictator. You're to be a godly man to your spouse and to your children. But there's an order in the house and God holds men responsible. You're not going to get to heaven and complain about your spouse. Oh, Lord, it's, you know, like Adam. Oh, Lord, it's that woman you gave me. God's going to say, that's your fault. Did you love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? Well, I tried. Now that's not going to fly with God. you got men. You're the head of the house and God says you need to be you need to be the leader of the house that your kids your wife see you in the Word of God and praying and you're praying for your kids and your wife no pressure huh? he says pray without anger you ever heard an angry prayer man he says Pray without doubting. That's tough, isn't it? You ever prayed for someone that was sick or someone that was handicapped, someone that needed to be healed? And you're like, okay, we're gonna pray for you. And you're like thinking in the back of your mind, I don't think God's gonna do it, but you know. He says, Stop praying like that. Pray like you're gonna see God move. Pray expecting healing. I don't know about you, but I've seen some miracles. I've watched people get prayed over, it and I've seen a miracle, miracles right in front of me. God's still moving. He's still in the business of miracles. But the greatest miracle is salvation. Because what good would it be to be healed and go into hell? The greatest miracle you'll ever witness is sitting right next to you. And God wants to use you, because now you're His. How many of you are in full-time ministry? Raise your hand. Okay, let's let's try that again. Would everybody raise your hand right now? (laughs) Thank you. Okay, there you go. You're in full-time ministry. You were in full-time ministry the moment God called you. As soon as you got saved, He said, I got something for you to do. And you said, but I can't do that. He goes, great, you won't get in the way. I'm going to give you the power. And I'm going to give you the opportunity. And you're going to watch me work in you and through you to bless others. We're all in the ministry. Do you have an ear to hear what God is saying to you today? We're to pray without wrath. We're to pray without doubting. And we need to pray understanding the power of God. Is anything too big for God? Is, is anything impossible for God? No. You know, we, we sang that song, the, the Battle Belongs to the Lord. You know... Um, God, He can take care of every battle in your life if you let Him. And when a church is praying together, God's going to move. If we're praying together as a body of Christ, and you're praying for the leaders of this church, and you're praying for one another, we're going to watch a mighty move of the Spirit. And we're going to watch God unleash us on the kingdom of darkness and bring light. Are you in? I'm in, and you're in too. And we listen. The battle's his. You don't have to worry about what we're going to face. We we might come up against alarming alarming odds, but we got Jesus. We're going to win. If it's just me against ten thousand people, I got Jesus. They're handicapped. They're they're not going to do good. I got Him. I want to I want to read something to you. And, I, and and a couple of things come into my mind right now. Um, I think about Hezekiah, when remember when he was being threatened by the king Assyria and Sennacherib, or whatever his name was, and then there was this henchman who was um, Rabshakeh. and and he came up and they surrounded all Israel, the 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 Jerusalem, with one hundred and eighty five thousand Assyrian. Soldiers and they were sending out threatening letters and and the people were shaking the Jews were afraid and they, they they were saying stuff like hey, you can't count on your God all these other nations. We wiped out We wiped out them and their gods your gods are no match for us Don't even try it surrender now or it's going to be bad news for you and, and they sent this letter to Hezekiah and Hezekiah did the right thing. You know what he did? He read that letter and he went to the house of God and he put that letter down. And he goes, "It's for you." Just saying, they're saying some pretty horrible things about you. They said they got you in the palm of their hand. Just saying. And the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And he said, don't worry. Not an arrow will be shot, nor will you have to lift a shield. And the morning following, in fear, they peeked over the wall and they were all dead. The enemy was dead. One angel, not an archangel, not a cherubim, not a seraphim, just a run-of-the-mill Barney the angel. God sent after dinner, And that angel wiped out 185,000 Assyrians. The battle belongs to who? The Lord. So I want to read this in closing to you. This is um, dealing with Jehoshaphat. Because you might have something in your life right now that just seems so overwhelming you can't handle it. And God says, give it to me. Give it to me. The scene was... um, the children of Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, the Ammonites, were coming against Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem. And the word got out. And the word got to Jehoshaphat, and he was freaking out. So he calls all the people together, and all of Judah pours out, moms, dads, kids, everybody, and he proclaims a fast. And they fast and they pray. And... As they're all gathered, it says, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us or sword or judgment or pestilence or famine we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you our affliction and you will hear and save and now here are the people of moab and ammon and mount seir whom you would not let israel invade when we came into the land of egypt but they we they turned from them and did not destroy them Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of Your possession which You have given us as an inheritance. O our God, will You not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on You. You ever been there? Lord, I, I don't know what's going on. I have no answers. It looks bad. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. It's a good place to be. Look what happens. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel. And he says, listen up, all you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them all at the end of the brook where the wilderness of Jeril You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. That's for somebody today. You want to know what happened? Jehoshaphat gets the army together, gets all the soldiers and the warriors, and uh, he grabs the worship team. He grabs Austin and the whole gang and puts them in front. We're going into war, put the band in front. So he gets the Levites, he gets the Kohites, and he, and he gets the whole, all those that were led in worship and string instruments and vocals and singing, and he puts them in the front and says, we're going into battle singing praises to the Lord. And as they started marching and they started singing, God heard the music, starts tapping his foot, yeah, yeah, come on, and he then all of a sudden causes confusion with the enemy, Ammon and Moab turn on Mount Zaire, they wipe them all out, and as soon as they kill all them, they freak out and devour one another. So when when Jehoshaphat shows up with the whole army and the worship team, when they come over the ridge and they look down at the valley, everyone's dead, it said no one escaped. He said, stand back, stand still, the battle belongs to the Lord. That's what God said. He said, you're not even going to be able to fight. Stand back, watch the salvation of the Lord. And on top of that, they got a bonus. Because for some reason, everybody that came into battle decided, you know what, I'm going into battle. I better bring all my jewelry with me. They brought their gold, their silver, their precious jewels, their money. They brought everything with them. So much so, it took the children of Israel three days to remove all the booty. So not only did they not have to fight, they made some money. But here's here's the best part. When they got back, they glorified God. They didn't take any of His glory. In Isaiah, the Lord says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not share my glory with another. And they gave God the glory. Are we giving God the glory in our life? for all the great things that He's doing? Are we giving Him the glory even when it's not going our way? We should be. I can't tell you. I can't impress it enough upon you. Pray, pray, pray. The worship team will come forward. We're going to partake in communion. And before you come out, I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God I want you to ask for strength I want you to ask for favor I want you to pray for revival I want you to pray for everyone that's next to you and then we'll receive together we'll partake and we'll sing some worship and give God the glory and then we'll go outside and we'll have a meal together and break bread amen amen